Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Thank you, Father. We love you. We thank you for all the good that you've done already tonight. We thank you that you're never done. You take us from glory to glory, that you have more in store. So Jesus, we say, come and keep on coming. Surprise us in your goodness tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. And it's interesting, I'm, uh, I'm seeing uh, lungs being healed right now. And uh, it was funny that Seth made that comment about the lungs breathing, what the nose is bringing in. But I actually see lungs being healed right now. And God speaks prophetically in all kinds of ways. It would be just like him to heal lungs on that message. Yeah, whew, I feel it really strong. You know, I think um, the fir- if it wasn't the first healing, it was um, what, the first significant kind of healing that we ever saw in the healing rooms in Reading. It was um, fibrosis of the lungs, hardening of the lungs. A lady was uh, in from Australia, and she, we got to pray for her one of the first weeks we were ever open, and uh, she went back healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So if you have anything going on with your lungs, even if it's just, you know, bronchitis, cold, put your hand on your lungs right now. Father, we just thank you for grace that's moving through the room in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for the cancellation of asthma right now in Jesus' name. Right now. God, even people that have had it for decades, God, that it ends right now in the name of Jesus because you're good and because you're here. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whew. I kind of can't step through that door without, like, I just, more stuff's coming right now. Thank you, Jesus. Dizziness um, is breaking off right now. Vertigo, vertigo is, is breaking off. And um, it's like, um, it's like a, I don't know, a headache, but it's like vice grips on the side of your head. It comes and goes. It's like this attack. God's breaking that off of you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yeah, we, we love you, God. We love your presence. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's a good time to be alive. All right. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> you know, I want to I talk tonight um, I want to talk tonight about living as a believing believer. (laughs) Thank you, Sandra. One person is excited. (laughs) It's our ministry team leader, of course. You're excited about that. But uh, I believe Jesus is excited about that. And uh, listen, if we're going to be called believers, then we should possess belief. Amen. And we should and we should live out of that place and we should operate out of that place and and if we're going to be real, we should be growing in that place. Because none of us have survived. They, uh, arrived, survived. Wow. None of us have arrived. <laughs> Just edit that one out of the whatever you do, do it. <laughs> Save me on that one. None of us have arrived, obviously, me. Included. 
None of us are, are perfected in our faith. None of us are where we fully want to be. But the good news is that we have a good father. And the, he calls himself a father because the kingdom is meant to look like family. And the, he, he doesn't call us experts. He calls us children. And he's such a good father that he's into our process. So the fact that we haven't arrived doesn't mean that God is mad at us. It just means that we're children, that he's growing into his perfect image, and that God's got more for us. He's got more in store for us than what we're operating in right now, but he wants us to step into it more than we want to step into it. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've got, I've got kids, and, and uh, you know, my kids are really little, and I would say I probably have bigger dreams for them than they have for themselves. And they will grow into dreaming for themselves. They will grow into, but listen, I've got big dreams for my kids. God's got big dreams for you. And, uh, and you know, this God, God's bride, his church, his body, is meant to be growing in our, in our realm, our active realm of faith and believing. You know, it's been, it's been a few months now, but most of you in the room would probably be aware of um, the dynamic that happened back in, in Reading where um, the, the two-year-old girl died, the daughter of uh, some of the worship leaders in Reading, uh, Olive, died, and and the church went into uh, several days of protracted prayer and worship and intercession, believing for Olive to be raised from the dead. And, uh, and the, what that stirred up in social media, what that stirred up in the body of Christ was really kind of profound. And it was amazing how many people were against the church Pray, fasting, praying, worshiping, and believing for all of to be raised from the dead. The, the problem with that is that our whole belief system is based on resurrection. Like, like the entire thing. Like none of it works if Jesus isn't raised from the dead. The entire belief system, and you know, I'm, sh I'm sure people have their reasoning, they have their logic, and whatever's going on, but the reality is, is that I'm, we're just confronted with the fact that are we actually believing what we're supposed to believe? And, and not just do we have a structure, a, a context of belief, but are we actually have a living, active belief? And I believe that God is just inviting us. I mean, in this moment, I'm preaching this because I feel like it's a now word, but it's, it's the way that a father relates, relates to his children. That There's not a day that I'm not hoping for my children to grow into more. There's not a single day. And our father is always inviting us into more. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we're called to be the head and not the tail. We're called to be more than conquerors. But in order to move from the tail to the head, we have to believe what he has said. Amen. 
And to be conquerors, we have to be able to believe what he has said and have this active living belief. Not just empty words, amen? Because his promises are not hollow. So our belief shouldn't be hollow. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know, in Revelations chapter 3, in the letters of the churches, it says that I wish that you were either hot or cold. But you're instead, you're lukewarm, so I'm getting ready to spit you out of my mouth. That's pretty extreme language. But he says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. Has that ever confused anyone? Like, like obviously, I understand why God would want us to be hot. Like on fire. Like in love, passionate, worshipers. Hot, but he says, I wish you were either hot or cold versus lukewarm. Do you know that lukewarm is the hardest realm to influence? <laughs> lukewarm is, is the hardest place to create movement or momentum. Do you know that, that hot is obvious? on fire believers, passionate for Christ, but then you have people who are cold, all they are is an encounter away from being hot. <laughs> there's, one, there's one thin veil there. Now listen, when I go in and I preach and I minister into a prison, I'm not, I'm not confused if people at the beginning are like sitting there with their arms crossed looking at me, like they're not sure about what I'm saying because they have walls. But guess what? Those are the enemy's walls that have been piled up on their life, but en the enemy's walls fall down easy. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll, preach, I'll preach to a cold environment any day because all that has to happen is for the fire to come. And then those people, you know, hardened the tattoos and the whole thing, and they're like looking at it. Like, by the end, they're on their knees weeping because they had an encounter with the grace that changes everything. I would take that any day <laughs> over a bunch of lukewarm believers sitting there looking at you like. <laughs> because the walls that they have, they put there by faith. I'll take the enemy's walls any day because those topple easily. Soon, as soon as the grace comes. Thank you, Jesus. He wants us hot. <laughs> and if not hot, at least cold, because then you're about to get hot. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that in, in, in this Christian walk, in this life that we're living, you know, it's, I just want to remind us, us that it's okay to stop and take our temperature. Like, just to like to evaluate, to say, God, where am I on fire? And what areas, God, do I need some more fire? Like what areas could I use a fresh breath, a fresh touch, a fresh faith, some renewed perspective? Because as soon as you admit your need or your hunger in that place is when God shows up. The problem is, is that when we try and walk around with our expert hats on, because like in, 
<laughs> this is not supposed to be a harsh message. <laughs> I'm happy, really, really. I love you. <laughs> but but in, in Western Christianity, we, we have adopted this thing of like, my job is to become an expert instead of to become a child. And then when, we are, when we've got our expert hats on, then it's, it's opposing to that position to ask for help. <laughs> the, the, here it is. I don't, think we, I don't think we take our temperature enough because we don't want to know what the reading is. No, no. Listen, I, and I'm. This isn't. This isn't beating anyone up. This is. This is gonna help. <laughs> but we don't want to know what the reading is because we're sitting in the wrong seat. We're sitting in the seat of an expert, which means if we're not as hot as we're supposed to be, we're failing. But if we're sitting sitting in the seat of a sun where we're not hot, it just means there's opportunity for growth. We just go, oh, daddy, I need more in this area. Help. And here comes daddy, ready to help. He's like, oh, I've been waiting for you to ask. Here we go. And that one in the child seat progresses and grows and increases, and the one in the expert seat stays stagnant. <laughs> yeah. How many people know that your daddy is into you asking for help? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I love it. You know, it's, it's good when my kids ask for help. Can you help me with this? Sure, I can help you with that. You know, it's frustrating just to watch them just toil on the same thing over and over and over again. I'm like, I can help you with that. But sometimes we approach God that way. It's, listen, he is into the process. Like, growth is a part of our story, which means, which means it's okay to not have it all figured out, <laughs> which means it's okay to go, wow, there's, there's, there's places I, I'm not on fire at this moment. Help. <laughs> That's a powerful prayer. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I, I've shared this um, before. Uh, quite a while ago, I shared, but it applies here. And I love reading the I love reading the, the the Bible. I love reading the scriptures. I love inviting Holy Spirit to come and read with me, because He's the author. And uh, but I also I love to when I'm reading, I try and keep a a, a a tender heart when I'm reading something. And if I don't if I don't really get it, and I don't mean. I don't understand the words that are there. I mean, if I don't get it, I try and be honest about that. And then I try and have a conversation with God about it. Say, like, God, what is going on here? And uh, I shared about how in, in Acts 5, it talks about Peter's shadow healing the sick. That Peter would just, you know, walk down the streets and people on beds and couches and mats, they would jump up as Peter's shadow would go over them and they'd be completely healed. Now, how many people think that's an amazing story? It's awesome. How many people know that story? As in head knowledge, you've heard it before. But how many people you could say, like, I know it, but I don't know it? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> 
And, I, and this was several years ago, but I had this moment. I read it. I went, God, that's an awesome story. It's one of my favorites. Peter's shadow, healing the sick, that shows how mighty God is. And I'm like, but am I living in that place? Oh, no, I'm not. Why? Because there's something I don't get. God, help. So I, I had this honest conversation. I said, God, I don't get it. What is going on here? And, and it wasn't six months of prayer. It wasn't three weeks of prayer. Like, pretty much immediately, God responded and said, go and read Mark 9. I'm in Acts 5. God said, go and read Mark 9. And I was like, okay, what, what's in Mark 9? And so I flipped to Mark 9, and it's the story of the Mount of Transfigurations, where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain with him, and he's transfigured before them. His clothes become white as snow, such as no launderer can make them. And a cloud overshadows them, and the voice of the cloud says, this is my son, listen to him. And so I read it, and I'm like, ooh, that's amazing. I love that. I love that passage, too, the Mount of Transfiguration. That's incredible. But I don't get it. <laughs> what does that have to do with Acts 5, Peter's shadow healing the sick? And God said, read it again. Okay, I read it again. I was like, I still love it. I still don't get it. God said, read it again. So I read it. After about the third time reading, I said, God, what is going on here? Like, what is the correlation here with Acts 5? And, and God said, Peter didn't grow up in a Christian home. Like, when Jesus came, that was a complete shift of spiritual um, awareness, what it means to have the kingdom the kingdom at hand. And he said he didn't grow up with a perspective of a history of watered-down, unanswered prayers. What he, what, literally, what he said to me, he said, Peter didn't grow up with a bunch of, of table manner prayers. And so what he said is, he said this was Peter's perspective on prayer. Now, think about it, that Peter is hanging out along with the, the rest of the disciples. He's hanging out with Jesus for, for three years and watching him walk on water, watching him multiply food, watching him heal the sick, watching him raise the dead. Watching Jesus do all this stuff, and the Bible says over and over again that in the midst of this, Jesus would go off by himself to pray, or Jesus would go on a mountaintop to pray. How many people think if you were one of those disciples watching him multiply food and heal the sick and raise the dead, you'd be wondering what he's doing when he goes off by himself to pray? I mean, I would. I'd be like hiding behind the tree, you know, <laughs> like, what is he doing up there by himself? So here's the crazy thing. My, my, my perspective, I don't believe that the Mount of Transfigurations was an isolated incident. I believe, that, I believe this was Jesus' prayer time all the time. I just believe in this case, he let three guys in on it. So Peter, who's watching Jesus walk on water, heal the sick, raise the dead, gets in on Jesus' prayer time. This one time he takes him up on the mountain, and this is what happens. And Peter goes, wow, this is what prayer's like. Oh. 
And so, so fast forward the story. Jesus dies, is raised from the dead. He sends his Holy Spirit. He releases a commissioning onto Peter and the rest of the disciples, his church. And basically he says, as I was sent in, in listen, as I was sent into the world, so I send you. And Peter's like, okay. So when he goes in his door to pray, his only perspective on prayer is the Mount of Transfigurations. So he starts going in with a perspective. What is that? Believing belief. He goes in like, okay, where's the glory cloud? Are my clothes changing? Yeah, like, uh, where's the voice of the Father? And he presses in, presses in, presses in with that expectancy. Until God starts to respond to his expectancy and the cloud comes and the voice comes and the overshadowing presence of his father comes and he's abiding. He's like, this is amazing. I love hanging out with you. It's so good. And at some point he gets hungry and says, you know what, God, hold on. I'm going to go to the market and get some food. You want to come with me? Let's go. And they walk out. He walks out of his house and like, what are all these people doing on couches? I love what Bill Johnson says. Your shadow will release whatever overshadows you. So he walks out on the street. I don't believe he walked out on the street to heal people with his shadow. He just walked out on the street. But he'd been in the presence. And people start jumping up off of beds and couches. What's the point? The point is that it's okay to take our temperature. It's okay to have moments where, like, God, I don't get it. Teach me. Show me. God, I need more fire. But listen, when we come to that place, there shouldn't be condemnation with it. Because we're just coming as children. God, I need to be more on fire in this area. I need some active believing in this area. Thank you, Jesus. You know, in counseling, the first step to getting help is recognizing that you need help. <laughs> in personal growth development, the first step to growth is recognizing there, that there are places we need to grow. <clears throat> if we deny our need, that there's a need, that there's areas that we need to grow, then we're not going to grow in those areas. I think that one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, open your Bible to Mark chapter 9. Funny how we were just referencing Mark 9. You know, that happened, that story with the Acts 5 and the, and the <clears throat> Peter's shadow and the Mark 9, I don't know, it was, call it 10 years ago, 12 years ago, something around that <clears throat> that mark, and that's awesome. I hadn't put two and two together. The verse that I'm about to share with you is also in Mark 9. When, uh, when Jesus said, go and read Mark 9, after they come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, the story I just told, they, they, <clears throat> they come upon a father and their son, and the, the son is being seized by an evil spirit. 
and the disciples try and cast it out, and they can't. And then in verse 21 of Mark 9, so Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He says, he says something paradoxical. He says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I actually believe that it's powerful. In that moment, something was released, a breakthrough was released, that he pulled on the heart of Jesus in that moment, and Jesus delivered the boy, and he was healed. What the disciples couldn't do, what hadn't happened for years, that that man's, that that man's confession tapped into the heart of God and released the breakthrough that he was looking for. And he, it's funny that he says, I believe. The statement starts with, I believe. But it ends with, help my unbelief. <laughs> so which one is it? And it, it's actually both. Meaning that we can have a belief system. Like we can have a set of thoughts I can, I can see it out there. I believe, God, that you can do that. I'm just not standing in it. It's out there. I can't reach it. I believe it can happen. I'm just not standing in it. I believe it's for the future. I believe it's for someone else. But guess what? That's not the active believing that Jesus died for. That Jesus wants to draw that belief, he wants to draw us into it so we're standing in it right now. Like, oh, oh, I believe. It's about to happen right now because I could feel it. It's percolating inside of my bones. This thing is about to break through. Come on, that's active believing. How many people know that we're called a kingdom of priests and a royal priesthood? That we are that we are royal because of Jesus. That was an overwhelming response. <laughs> How many people know that Romans 8 calls us co-heirs? Co-heirs, not because of what we did, but because of what he did for us, and we accepted it, and so we are co-heirs or joint heirs, meaning we get what Jesus deserves. The question is, what do you think Jesus deserves? That we are, that we are, that we are co-heirs with Jesus. We are royal priesthood. But the priests are servants, that we are, that we, listen, we are royal servants, And we can't, we can't separate our royalty and our need because we're royal, but we're royal because of what Jesus did for us. We're not royal apart from Jesus. We're royal because of Jesus. 
And I believe that God is bringing a marriage. Here it is. I believe that God is bringing a marriage of these two realities to his body. Because you can look, you can look at his body all across the, globe, across the planet and people have a tendency to be in one camp or the other. And the, you can be in the camp of it's all about need. Need, 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 need. But there's no royalty. There's no power. There's no transformation. We're not taking cities. And you can have another camp. It's all about, I'm the royalty of God. Name it and claim it. It's all about getting more money and more cars and bigger houses. And like, <clears throat> neither of those things alone are kingdom reality. Alone, they're not the truth. When they marry in the middle, we're royal servants. How many people know that Jesus will give you billions of dollars if you use it for his purposes? That just felt like a good thing to say. I think I, I, think I will say it again. You know, Jesus will give you billions of dollars if you'll use it for his purposes. You won't, not that he doesn't want you to be blessed off of it, but if you won't hold it as your own, you'll be a funnel for the blessing. <clears throat> we need to live in this, in this kingdom balance, the royal priesthood. We have access to everything, but are meant to be servants of all. In 2 Corinthians 12, Peter says this, 12, 19, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm going to read that again. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Therefore, this is Paul, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Experts can actually be missing out on the power of God because they're not supposed to have any weaknesses. They're hiding in an artificial shell that says, oh, I got it all figured. I got it together. I know how to pray. I know how to do all, all this stuff. The only problem is you're missing out on the power of God that brings real transformation. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just pretend like we're excited about this message? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we can't hide our need or our or our, our, I can't talk, we can't hide our need or our royal identity. When both are revealed, it allows us to move into greater realms of authority and power. John, John 4, 6, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Thank you, Jesus. In Luke, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run through, um, some verses real quick. Luke chapter 1. Luke 
How many of you want to step more fully into the promises of God? Now, I'm not going to be able to read these all for time's sake, but you know these stories. In Luke 1, it's, it's the story where the angel Gabriel visits Mary and declares the overshadowing of the Lord is going to come over her and that she's going to bear the Christ child. In Luke 1, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. That's the last statement that the angel said. He declared that, that the Lord is going to come and overshadow her, and she's going to become pregnant, and she's going to, to bear, bear Jesus, the Christ. And he says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be a to let it be to me according to your word. Now, this is the most insane, profound promise that you could ever think of receiving from God. <laughs> the angel comes and says, you're going to bear the Christ. You're a virgin. You're gonna, he's going to overshadow you. You're going to become pregnant. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, listen to her response. She says, behold, your maidservant. She doesn't say, behold, your royal princess that you have chosen and set apart that's never done anything wrong, and I'm prepared for this moment. Here I am. Let's get it done. <laughs> no, she responds in humility as a servant. Why? Because it's not about her. It's about him. She comes low, and she comes with a servant heart which I believe is why God probably chose her. She says, Lord, behold, your maid servant. This is bigger than I can fathom, bigger than I can imagine, bigger than I could have dream, dreamt up or drawn up, but you're declaring it, so all I can say is your servant is ready. But you notice she doesn't end there. There's a lot of people that end there. Like, I'm your servant, I'm your servant, I'm your servant. But she doesn't end there. She goes on the next step. Here's your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Engagement. Initiation. With the promise. Thank you, Jesus. Second Samuel 7. We're talking about some... Some big characters in the Bible and some big promises. This is, this is the story of King David, and they've, they've brought the, the ark of the Lord back into Jerusalem, and, and David is dwelling in his house at the beginning of uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. He's dwelling in his house, and he has this thought. He's like, wait a minute, I'm sitting in this house made of cedar, this nice house, while the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords is dwelling out in a tent. This isn't right. And he says, we should build a house for the Lord. And so he asks his friend, Nathan the prophet, inquires about it. And at first Nathan says, yeah, do what's in your heart. But then later the Lord speaks to Nathan, and he comes back to David with the word of the Lord, and he says that you're not going to be able to build it because you're a man of bloodshed. 
But then he go, begins to go and prophesy into David's future, and not just his future, but his generational line, his future. In 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, when you are fulfilled, when your days are fulfilled and, the, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. How many people think that's a big promise? It's talking about your kid. <laughs> anyway, I'll keep reading. <clears throat> He shall be, build a house for my namesake, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chastise him with the rod of men and with the bows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed before you. And your house, now he's speaking to David, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever According to all these words, according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Wow. Powerful. The next verse, 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. He said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? I want to jump down to verse 24. David responds this amazing promise, and he comes low, and he says, God, who am I? Who am I that you would declare such an amazing thing? I want to ask you if you believe that God is declaring amazing things over you, over this season, over this city. Do you believe that God is declaring amazing things? Do you believe that God's got bigger dreams for you than you even have for yourself? And David responds and he comes low and he says, God, who am I that you would, that you would make this promise, that you would speak so, so grand? And then he goes on for several verses. He humbles himself, but then he exalts the Lord. And he goes on to talk about how amazing God is and how profound he is and how wonderful he is. And then we'll just jump back in to verse 24. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And here it is, verse 5. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said We're a royal priesthood. I believe that, that we're going to move into some profound things that are going to shock us and surprise us. Do you know one of my favorite prayers is God surprise me in just how good you are? <laughs> God surprise me. Like not just, like everybody's at a different place, but not just like, oh, heal another back. Do something that surprises me. That makes me go, whoa, I can't believe that just happened. When gold is flying out of Eddie's Bible, like, whoa, did that just happen? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
you know, one of my one of my favorite secret prayers that no one knows about is that I pray, God, do stuff that scares us. <laughs> Oops, I let the secret out. <laughs> you know, I one of my favorite Heidi Baker stories is that she was preaching in the, the, the bush, bush, bush of, of, in Mozambique and, you know, f- a flatbed trailer in a village in a Muslim province and heavy witchcraft in the region. And she's preaching on this flatbed trailer at night and there's villagers around trying to listen to the message. And then there are um, uh, uh, militant aggressive Muslims surrounding them that are, that are heckling and threatening and throwing stuff. And then there are witch doctors outside of that who are literally releasing black mambas into the meeting and releasing curses. And she's preaching her heart out. <laughs> and she prays that all-powerful prayer, help. <laughs> that, that God, I don't have this. I don't got this one on my own. How many people know that it's not her expert hat that's needed at that time? <laughs> it's, her, it's her child. I have a big daddy. My daddy is bigger than yours. And I'm going to call him right now. <laughs> and he comes running. Do you know what happened in that moment? The glory cloud of God fell on that meeting. Outdoor, in the bush, in the dirt. And I don't mean like, ooh, look in the lights. This is kind of sparkly. No, I mean the kabod glory of God descended on the meeting and everybody in the proximity hit their face to the dirt. Villagers, Muslims, witch doctors, kaboom. Because when God really comes, in the dirt, God, do some stuff that scares us. And the glory cloud descended and rested on the meeting. And when it ascended again, everyone, everyone present got up, healed, born again, speaking in tongues. Villagers, oh, shut up, I'm getting goosebumps. Villagers, Muslims, witch doctors, it didn't matter. No, pre- no preaching was longer needed because the glory came. <sighs> Jesus. God needs some believing believers. But it's not experts that move into those realms. Oh, Heidi could preach the message so much better. But, but she had an encounter in Toronto during the, the revival, the renewal in Toronto, where she was incapacitated for seven days. Seven days. They had to carry her to the restroom. Day and night, complete. Seven total days incapacitated. And before that, she'd already been working in, in, uh, in Mozambique. She had planted four churches in however many years. Several years she had been there. Four churches, and she says two of them were on life support. She has this radical encounter. She goes back, and within 10 years, they have 10,000 churches. And that was 10 years ago still, so I don't know what it's multiplied to now. 
And before that, she used to carry around, she'd have a roller bag that she would carry around with all her, she has a, she has a doctorate. Did you know that about Heidi Baker? <laughs> and she would carry all her textbooks around and she would look very important before her encounter. And she'd go to places and she would preach and she would have notes and she would study hours and have all this stuff. The only problem was she didn't have the power. Now, this is her story, but she was seated in the, sitting in the seat of the expert. I got this figured out, God. It was the childlike encounter that brought refreshing and renewal. Thank you, Jesus. Last one, and then we're going to pray. Can I have the, get the team on the way up here? First Kings. We just heard about David, and God is prophesying and declaring about his son, who we know is, is Solomon. And in 1 Kings here, we're actually reading about the, the story of Solomon, where the torch has been passed. And in 1 Kings 3, verse 7, it says this. This is Solomon speaking. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant, somebody say servant, you've made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And then verse 11, then God said to him, because... You have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Here it is. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you, verse 13, and I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> it's, we just read several verses there. And isn't it amazing that it ends with not only wisdom like no one else that has ever walked on the planet before, but it also ends with wealth and riches and authority and influence like no one has ever measured up to before or since. But where did it start? It started with, God is so good that you chose me. Because I've got it all figured out. I've been studying since I was a child. David's been raising me up. I got an A++ on all of my kingdom God exams. I'm your chosen one. We got this, God. Isn't that where it started? No. Where did it start? Hmm. 
Now, Lord, God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I don't know how to go out or to come in. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Now, here's the amazing thing is that Solomon was trained from his infancy for this very role. But that's not what qualified him. That had something to do with preparing him, but it's not what qualified him. What qualified him is he starts with, here's your servant. Not here's your expert. Not here's my list of degrees. Not here's my pedigree. Not here's my resume. But here's your servant. God, I don't know how to do this, but... You are declaring it. This is your plan. It seems too big for me. It seems too grand. It seems too wide. I don't know how this is ever going to happen. But if you're declaring it, then I am coming to you as a servant. Say, let it be. Let it be. Not because I've got it figured out. And in fact, I can be honest with you because you're a good father. Not only do I not have it figured out, I'm like a little child. You're declaring this thing, and I don't even know how to come out, let alone come in. Help. (laughs) Listen, I believe God's going to bring increase on many of us right now. I believe, can I say that again? I believe that God is going to bring increase on many of us right now. There are some radical things happening in our city. (laughs) God has called this city to be a light to the nations. Like, God is doing something in Austin that is profound. And when this thing fully breaks loose, the cities of the world are going to take notice. But God needs some believing believers. Ones who believe in resurrection. Ones who believe that they're called to be the head and not the tail. Ones who believe that God can transform a city. One who believes that he can use the lowest of the low and take them to the highest of the high. Not because they're experts, not because they got it all figured out, but simply because they know how to have honest conversation with their daddy. Because they know how to take their temperature. Because they know how to say, help. They don't get stuck over here in just the servant, 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 servant. But they also know how to move into, it's bigger than I can comprehend. But since you're declaring it, let it be. Let it be unto us according to your word. Let it be in our city according to your word. Do more than we can think or imagine. Those who humble themselves before the Lord in due time, he will lift them up. There's a promotion coming for some people right now. Whoa. We just... We need to stop being afraid to take our temperature. 
If you believe that God's got bigger dreams for you than you have for you, if you believe that God's got bigger dreams for you than you have for you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And we're just going to have some heart-to-heart time with Daddy. And I don't, I don't mean that we're in trouble. I mean, we got stuff that we can't yet figure out, so we're going, help, Daddy. And he's like, great, I'm glad you asked. Here I am. What can I do for you? Let's work this out together. This is going to be fun. Why? Because he's a good daddy. He celebrates every step of progress, every step of momentum. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. If there was a kingdom Instagram, your picture would be all over it. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. I took another step today. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I'm going to pray. <clears throat> and then we're going to have some we're just going to have some heart-to-heart time with our good daddy. Someone say good daddy. Father, I just thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your kindness. God, I thank you for an for a grace in the room to move more fully in to being believing believers, active, percolating, bubbling, professing, confessing, conquering, ruling, reigning, transforming believers. But God, everywhere that we're not there yet, which there's a lot of places, because we're not experts, we're children. God, I just pray that you would start to speak to us, invite us, show us the places where you want to call us in higher, God. Show us the places where you want to move us out of being cold or lukewarm into being hot, God. Father, I thank you for the anointing right now just to speak clearly. And I just want you just to begin to ask you're a good daddy. What? Listen, I'm not saying bring your your list of needs. Don't bring your need. You have the mind of Christ. No one knows the heart of God but the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. I want you to ask him what areas in you is he wanting to breathe on right now? Yeah, you can just begin to sing over them gently and Yeah, just ask him, what areas in you is he breathing on right now? What areas is he calling out of cold, out of lukewarm, into being boiling hot? goodness is speaking to you and he's he's showing you areas that he just wants to draw you higher he's not scolding he's not condemning he's coaching he's loving he's parenting he's drawing he wants to draw you higher
what he shows you, the next step is really easy. You just have to say, Daddy, here I am, like a little child. Help. Help grow me in those areas. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.